Hey, welcome to Mike the Baptist. Glad you could uh, make it. We all made it. Uh, you made it, so it all is working good so far. <laughs> That's how it should work. Anyway, yeah, we're glad to have you. Glad to have you. Uh, glad to have H.D. Jones with us. Glad I could make it. Yep, since uh, you're supposed to be here, it's good that you showed up. <laughs> this is called the Three Preachers Series on Mike the Baptist. We have three preachers. H.D.'s one of them. That's the end of that story. <laughs> I don't have anything else. Amen. Oh, man, across the table is uh, Michael Kuntz. Hey, Jackson. Kuntz is also a preacher. Good to see you. Good to see you. Always good to see you. I understand that you are going to start presenting to us uh, a different Disney shirt. Yes, and uh, if you will notice, if for the observant viewers, uh-huh. this actually started two weeks ago. Oh, okay. So see, they, I'm not if, even if watching they were it observing, that close, so. Yeah, we'll, we'll go through the collection. Okay, it's going to be interesting to see. Because yep. uh, I know there are a few nosy people that watch the video who are looking for different things. Well, and we they know a, who they are. It will be a treat for them. He has yeah. some that he got when he was 12, so they look like tube tops now. But Yeah, they're going to be, that's yeah, going to be I might, I'll sit a little lower on those days. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good to have you here. Thank you. Whatever shirt you got on. I don't remember seeing that one, but I may have before. But Maybe. Anyway. There's a mouse on it. Mm-hmm. And Neil Andrews is here. Hey. Good to see you. You too. Back freshly from Ireland. Yeah. We may ask a question about that shortly. Oh. We'll see. Or if yeah. we don't, you can just interject something once in a while, you know, okay. that refers to that. <laughs> anyway, went on a mission trip with some musician folks, yep. and I was going to go, but didn't get to, and I hate missing out. And uh, Ireland is probably safer because of it, but anyway, <laughs> next time I'm going. <laughs> But yeah, I heard I've heard some stories that uh, it was really a good thing. It was a good time, and uh, yep. good things happened over there. You got to experience another culture and how they view things. That's mm-hmm. always good, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, go to Arkansas with me sometime. We'll, speaking of experiencing different another cultures, culture. yeah. yeah. Anyway, mm-hmm. we give them a hard time, but they're good. But anyway, good to have you back, safe and sound. Thank you. Good to have you Thanks. here on the program. Uh, comments at mikesabaptist dot com. Send us an email. We do get an occasional email now. You know, in fact, uh, I'm always listening to people talk to see if anything we're doing here is catching on or not. And I ran into a lady over the weekend who said, hey, I want you to know that uh, my kids want to play any or outy all the time. Well, that's kind of neat. So uh, the only problem with the podcast part of that uh, equation. I think they play it some on their own, just mm. pick out things and mm-hmm. do it on their own. But then when it comes time to listen to Mike the Baptist or watch it, they want to fast forward to the in your outing. So so our influence has not shrinkled. Your influence has not shrinkled one iota. Very your, good to know. Your, uh, your influence has, your influence has uh, is beginning to span the globe with faint references of belly buttons. So you should be proud. Hmm. In your outing. Did you get that? I mean – Anyway, uh, I've lost my train of thought now. Uh, anyway, uh, MikeTheBaptist.com, go in there, find old episodes, past episodes. There's like a lot of them on there now. So uh, if you're taking a trip, speaking way, of trips. Good way to waste some time. Yeah, next week we're going to talk about on the front porch about things we do to waste time and pass the time on long trips. Hmm. I really can't wait for that. I'll have to, but uh, you know what I'm saying. Uh, anyway, send us an email, go to the website, look up stuff, buy something, buy a shirt, buy a coffee mug. We'll pay the light bill. Fix the refrigerator. Our, the studio refrigerator is, is down. We're having to resort to ice and a cooler. Go figure. This is America, folks. 
we should not have to be putting ice in a cooler. Hmm. Anyway, uh, into that rant. You know, um, uh, on the front porch today, I thought it would be nice to try and be serious because oftentimes you're out on this program. <laughs> we have a tendency to not be completely serious, which is fine. I mean, if you're a Christian person and you're not having any fun, something ain't right. I'm just saying. I'm willing to bet. I'm willing to bet Jesus cracked a few jokes. They didn't record them, so we don't, you know. But I'm willing to bet that he cracked a few jokes. You know, walking down the dirt road and all. You know, I'm sure he cracked a few jokes. Probably not like the ones that get cracked here. Yeah. Yeah, in your addy. He might have come up with that. He might have just kind of downloaded that into me one night. In the middle of the night said, hey, I used to do this with the disciples. It'll be fun. (laughs) Maybe not. Okay. uh, Anyway, on the front porch today, in an effort originally to be serious, I thought it'd be neat to talk about uh, things we have in our memory about our mothers. My mother was my grandmother. So it's Arkansas. You know how that works. You know. Uh, I had a stepdad once, and I knew he was going to be a great dad because he was a great uncle. Anyway, I'll give you a minute to think about that. <laughs> Didn't take anyway, that long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but anyway, I thought it'd be nice to talk about <clears> – I never had a stepdad. I thought it'd be nice to talk <clears> about <throat> things you have in your mind, memories or just feelings you have about uh, about your mother. And I thought it'd be a nice, serious, emotional thing until uh, – my friend H.D. Jones walked in the studio today, and uh, he had this gleam in his eye, and I uh, discovered real quick it was not, you know, a fond gleam. It was like an evil gleam because he has something funny he's going to share. So I'm going to make him go last. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, I'll start. Uh, I don't really have a lot of memories, but I have memories of being in church with my grandmother, who was my mother. My mother passed away when I was six months old. So my grandmother was my mother. Mm-hmm. It's a long story, but it's not a long story. But anyway, I have this memory of uh, being a small child in church, laying down on her lap, sleeping and stuff during church. Uh, but once in a while. That do that. Pardon? So we get some adults that do that. There are a lot of adults that do that. I would do that right now if somebody would let me because yeah. I've heard most of the sermons that you guys preach so but anyway i have this i have this memory of laying there in uh, these church services and kind of you know i don't know if sleeping or just kind of laying there but i can recall her taking her handkerchief once in a while and she would wet part of her handkerchief with her tongue and then she would like clean behind my ear or something it's like it's like this really odd memory i think i think back on it now and she was she was being loving and caring and all that, but it's just such an odd memory in my mind. Uh, but anyway, uh, she was a really hard worker. You know, most of the times I can remember her, uh, she's sitting around canning green beans, uh, sewing up quilts, digging around in a garden, digging potatoes and pulling weeds just like anybody else. She was, she was really worked. She worked hard. But then she had this great cackling laugh, and she loved to laugh. Her and my granddad both, they just they were happy people, and they, they laughed a lot. They cut up a lot, mm. and she was just always ready to laugh. So 
That's about as emotional as I get right there. But I just have those couple of things in my memory uh, about her. Uh, really, really fond feelings, though. Really fond feelings. Is that where the phrase, a little wet behind the ears, come from? You know what? I don't know. But now that you've said that, that's in my head, and that will be in there for later. rattling around there for the rest of my days. You're welcome. Wet behind the ears. That's what that means. Uh, okay, Neil? Yeah. What do you have for us? Mm, a lot of things, but let me <laughs> let me see. I remember uh, it seems like we spent more time with my grandmother, which was my, my maternal grandmother so we spent a lot of time with her and uh my mom was very she she cooked a lot my grandmother cooked a lot she was a farmer and they had they grew probably seven or eight crops different things because if one of them wouldn't succeed they needed the the other ones to do that and they raised cattle and they raised hogs and all of that but my mom's cooking was not like my grandmother's. Uh-oh. It was different than that. And I, I remember my first experience with Brussels, which um, my mom got them out of a can, and then she boiled them. And it smelled like there was a new baby in the house. That had... <laughs> wow. You know, That's it was a picture. really <laughs> awful. Yeah. And she did unusual things like that. But she always did desserts really well. And she made lemon pie. That was my dad's favorite thing. And she would take lemon seeds and put them in there just to make sure that he knew it wasn't pretend lemon. Wow. So Really? <clears throat> yep. Remember that. Um, she worked in the factory she got job in general electric in the factory and would work i think it was second shift whatever it was she'd go in at like nine and be in there until early in the morning get home um but she liked to have a nice car so she'd get a new car every four years she'd buy a new one and um that's the story about me learning to drive she taught me how to drive stick shift which i'm pretty thankful for Mm -hmm. um and I could speak about Ireland with regard to that because they do drive on the different side of the road than we do. So you did experience that over there. Oh, yes. Yeah, we got to the airport. and We're trying to save money. It'd be easy to get a, a bus and have somebody drive you around on the bus, but we didn't do that. We got three vehicles, and it's a, a less expensive if you get manual vehicles. Did, so. you, have, did you have a driver? <clears throat> You were the driver? I was one of the three. Yeah. I wonder how many Americans every year get in wrecks over there because <clears throat> they veer off over on the wrong side of the road. Well, not that as much as you you tend to pull to the left. Uh, um, oh, you run off the road? You're on the left-hand <laughs> side of the road. Well, I met with the curb several times. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Some folks in the car reminded me of that. And then some folks in the car decided they'd ride with somebody else because of my driving, I think. Mm-hmm. And then they came back to the car and said, yeah, it's no different over there. So, huh. Whose car was Katie in? Anyway. Who? At what point? <laughs> <laughs> At which point? I was, <laughs> no, it was, it was shared. Everybody was, everybody was doing that. Anyway. Uh, so your mom was Mom had Ireland. a Volkswagen. Mom well, had a Volkswagen. I missed something there. We're talking about. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just kidding. You. Yeah, she had a Volkswagen, and that was what I learned to drive first, and it was a stick shift. Right. And I probably shared this before with the – driving things yes. tearing the mirror thing. off and all that that's exactly what happened yes. yep 
and my mom was so kind about it. And then later on, she had a, a Triumph TR7 or something oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are nice little cars. And I drove that, loved it, parked in the wrong spot. Mom always parked all the way out, and she'd walk. She didn't want anybody parking next to her to... And, of course, I parked somewhere where somebody put a great big dent. Oh, in a Triumph. That's not good. Yeah. Yeah, I would have got mad about that one. Yep, she did. I'm a little angry about it now. Yeah, well, (laughs) sorry. But I love her. So it was her car. Yeah. Triumph was your mom's car. Yeah. Wow. It was convertible. Triumphs were convertible, Mm -hmm. right? Ragtop. She didn't let me put it down. Really? Yeah. (laughs) I should have been your brother. <clears throat> yeah. We would have put that top right down. Well, <laughs> I only did it one time when, you know, I took the car out and I put it down after I was far enough away from the house. You know, I think I remember you telling that, too. Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but she knew because there was dust in the inside of the car. <laughs> well, you know. It's my mom. I, they know things. They do. They have eyes in the back of their head. Yeah. Uh, my brother and I. When we were very young teenagers, um, you know, my granddad was a car dealer, used cars. Well, he always had a couple around back because he would pull them around back and he would wash them with laundry detergent and a bucket and spray hoses. That's where he would kind of clean them up. So there's always a couple back there waiting to be processed. And my brother and I, for some reason, thought that we could slip around out there and sit in one of those cars and smoke cigarettes. (laughs) And no one would ever know. You know, years down the road, I realized that, you know, you can smell that from about six miles away. Mm-hmm. And we never were hiding anything. We just, yeah. I don't know why I told you that, but it just came out. Right. Oh, it's, it's about, they know things. Yeah. They know what you did. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh, and let me just say as a caveat, um, everybody riding in the three vehicles we had uh, was concerned about the way the drivers were driving. It was not just one person. Yeah, it was, I'll bet. It was all of us. But it is unusual to be on the right side of the car with the steering wheel and the stick shift on your left. Oh, yeah. And you're on the left side of the road. Yeah, that would be odd. So every time you turn, you're in the left lane and you turn left and you just hit the curb all the time. Well, yeah. Because <laughs> it's right there. <laughs> yeah, that's odd. I didn't even add that in the equation mm-hmm. and thinking about that. I was just thinking about being on the left side of the road. But yeah, that, I'm going to have to go over there and try that. <laughs> Well, you can stay time. here and try it. Yeah. I could try you it could. here. <laughs> All right. Isn't it funny what things you have in your mind about your mom or your dad yeah. or anybody? It's funny, the things that stick in your head there. Yep. Okay. Are you through? <laughs> sure. Koontz, do you have so, anything in, stuck in your head about your mom? Yeah, a lot of things. So uh, we could go for hours of talking about mom, I think. Okay. Uh, I don't have a watch, so we have time. Well, you can always edit it out, too. Yeah. Uh, one thing that, uh, that I'm always reminded of and grateful of, think about mom, is how much of a giver she was mm-hmm. and how sacrificial she was throughout her whole life. And she did that not just for dad, but for me and my brother as well. We, uh, you know, we were poor, so I didn't, and I didn't know we were poor when we were little. But later in life, I, you know, I learned that you know, we lived on a budget, you know, and uh, on that budget, you know, my dad had his allowance. Mom had her allowance, and me and my brother, we would get a, an allowance. And, of course, you know, me and my brother, we would spend our allowance. We'd go get our Star Wars figures or our G.I. Joe figures or our comic books and things like that. And before the next allowance would come around, there's something you always wanted. Mom, I found out for years, 
would always spend her allowance on us, you know, getting us another toy or getting us our school clothes mm-hmm. or our, our books for class and different things like that. Uh, but, you know, mm-hmm. if it was material, if it was time, she was always at the church doing stuff. She was just a giver. You know, absolutely. That was that was her gift, just giving to other people all the time. So uh, that's a great memory of mom. Uh, and I'll, I'll leave with this other just very brief thought because I think it will set up Pastor HD because I think we all know where he's going. I think so. Um, mom was the seatbelt of the car when she would drive as well. <laughs> So we had the ones that we'd put around our waist. But if mom thought the light was changing and she was going to have to, yeah, that's right, that arm came yep. out and then you were getting, you know, clotheslined in the passenger seat. Mm-hmm. And even after, you know, we always wore seatbelts anyway because she made sure the car would not move without the seatbelt on. But even when I was 20 years old, if I rode with her, I was still getting clotheslined in <laughs> she the was passenger still seat. She yeah. So uh, she's just taking care of her baby. What can I say? I'll just tell you, when I was growing up, uh, my grandparents would go to Washington State every year uh, to pick apples mm. when school was out. There's a bunch of people from my home area that would go out to Washington State, had deals with these farmers or ranchers out there, orchard owners, and they'd go out and work those orchards for a couple months to come back. Uh, I'm pretty sure I rode most of the way to Washington standing in the front seat beside my grandfather while he was driving. Mm-hmm. And the times I wasn't doing that, I was laying in the back window sleeping or mm-hmm. something. Well, we did that a I lot on that. trips. Yeah. You know, we had the old Nova and get up in the back of that thing and oh, lay yeah. down. Yep. Driving to Tennessee is nice and warm. Yep. But we had a cousin that got killed when I was like, I don't know, nine, ten years old, got killed in a car wreck. And ever since then, mom was like, you're, you're wearing your seatbelt. All right. Well, that brought it all down. Sorry. Uh, are you through there? Is that the yeah, we'll, we'll end it on the sad <laughs> note, I guess. So she was, a, she was a giver and a protector is she what was. I'm gathering there. Yeah, that's just two of her qualities. Was she a tough woman? Nope. Very soft. Really? Very soft. Mm-hmm. Yep. I want to add another one. Okay. I just thought of that. Um, <laughs> I was thinking because of the car thing for some reason. I remember the last time that my mom paddled me. And she chased me around the house with a yardstick. <laughs> And I was probably, <laughs> you know, 12 or 13, something like that. And I'm like, what is she doing? She chased me around the house and she cornered me. <laughs> and then when she went to, to paddle me with it, I put my arm up and she broke it on my arm. Oh. And she goes, she goes, you wait here. I'm going to get another yardstick. And I'm like, I'm not that dumb. You raised me better than that. But that's a memory I have. <clears throat> interesting. It's interesting that you raised that arm up. Yeah. Well, I'm going to guess you were right around 10 or 11. It's probably somewhere around there. Do you want to know why I guessed that? Why? Because about the same age, I recall uh, Mama used a belt. Oh, yeah. And I recall a scene in my living room where a bunch of cousins, <laughs> oh, no. all kinds of kids had been out doing things. And, of course, I, I probably was being a little bit of a smart aleck. But I got in trouble with her in that living room in front of everybody else. Oh, and no. she pulled her belt out. And all I could think of to do was what you did. I raised up a you know arm. I'm stopping you. Well, I stopped it for a second. But... <laughs> Oh, that's about all it lasted a second. I mean, I think I was hit with everywhere you could hit somebody with a belt after that. 
So was it, <laughs> it was her a flogging belt or grandpa's belt? His grandpa's belt. Oh, okay, just yeah. making sure on that. And he, I don't know if he was grinning or not, but I know he, <laughs> when she wanted it, he just pulled her out of there and handed it to her. <laughs> he had her unbuckled and in her hands pretty quick. <coughs> oh, okay. Uh, HD, do you have any interesting stories oh, I do. about so, your mother? My mom, she's always just kind of a funny lady. I mean, she. She had her own business, and she always struggled with, you know, am I a good mom? Do I spend enough time with the family and all that kind of stuff? But the things that we did together, something comical always happened. So right now she's in the process of maybe having to have back surgery. And my sister went with her to the appointment, and she was a little concerned that, you know, not for my mother, but that this could be genetic, right? So, you know, you always ask, oh, right. y'all had cancer? Could this come to me? So, you know, my sister said, is, is this genetic? And the guy said, no, it's more wear and tear. And we kind of laughed about that because mom always had on high heels. It didn't matter. She, she was kind of a Dolly Parton-ish kind of person, you know. She just wanted to wear high heels. So I remember as a kid, she wanted to uh, move some furniture at her office or something, and dad was busy, and she says, well, I'm taking your truck. Well, it's an old F-150 white pickup with truck a manual with the manual transmission. <laughs> and my mom gets in there with her high heels and her Daisy Dukes on. Uh-huh. And she's over just grinding those gears, you know, as we're going down the road. That's just, I mean, mom was just funny like that. And they used to kind of give her a hard time about, they called mom and dad Green Acres because they, they were kind of like that, you know. Dad was very country. Mom was very city life. So she decided one time it would be fun to take all of us kids to go down to uh, Opryland Theme Park. Well, they had a little petting zoo in there. And uh, sure enough, Mom didn't really like animals, and a goat came up and peed right on her foot, you know. (laughs) I mean, you just can't miss stuff like that. And then He never disappoints. I know, right? No, he doesn't. And then I can visualize that with your mom. Mom, again, kind of that Dolly Parton-ish, so she always had big blonde hair. And back in the day, especially in like the 70s, if you didn't have enough hair, you'd wear a hairpiece in the back. So (laughs) my mom has one of these hairpiece things on. And she's sitting in the choir in front of the whole church. And the dude that's behind her has a big Western cowboy belt buckle on. Oh, so no. So when he stands up, <laughs> he stands up before she's gotten up out of her seat, that hairpiece sticks right there on his buckle. <laughs> Everybody's cracking up, you know, and he, he, mom's oh, no. looking back like, ah, you know, of course you can't just grab it. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I have stories just growing, <laughs> right? Right. So, yeah, those are just kind of the things I remember. Wow, it was fun. Yeah, more so, pieces to the puzzle right. all the time. Yeah, yeah. I like how it went. You know, I have this fond memory. Yeah, you know, loving and then caring and then <laughs> his mom's get her hairpiece stuck in some guy's belt buckle at church. Yeah, yeah. You're welcome. Was that the only story? Well, that, that's that's good. <laughs> I mean, you know, that was uh, a good one. I gotta yeah, say, we, we have to save some of these front porch stories for the next time. Okay, so <clears throat> we may revisit this someday because I don't think you were through. Probably not. <laughs> it seems like there's probably more in there to explore, so we might come back to that. Okay, this was uh, this was exciting. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I think we're off to a good start. So what we'll do now, uh, folks is uh, we'll take a break, come back, talk about stuff we found in the Bible, and try to refocus the best we can. 
the best we can after a hairpiece getting caught in a rodeo belt buckle at church. It just grows. It's like a, it's like one of those little uh, sponge toys you buy for kids now, and you put them in a glass of water, and they just, yeah, the, the mental image just keeps swelling and getting crazier and crazier. Okay, we'll be back. Does your mom listen to this? I hope not. I hope not either. You may have seen people wearing Mike the Baptist t-shirts or hoodies lately and wondered to yourself, Hey, self, where could I get some of that bling bling? Well, tell yourself not to worry, because it's easy to order Mike the Baptist logo tees and hoodies for yourself or your family and friends. Visit MikeTheBaptist.com, click on the merchandise link, and shop away. Lots of colors and sizes to pick from. And now available, I'm just a Christian trying not to cuss tees and hoodies. Mike the Baptist is all about real talk with real people spreading the good news to a world who can really use some good news right now. When you purchase Mike the Baptist tees and hoodies, you're helping Mike and the crew pay the bills to keep Mike the Baptist on the interwebs and talking about God's love for all people. It's really that simple. And we make no apologies for having fun and living out the Christian life. Order your tees or hoodies today with just the logo or familiar sayings you hear on Mike the Baptist episodes. Just visit MikeTheBaptist.com and click on merchandise. Thanks so much for watching and listening to Mike the Baptist and for your support in helping us spread the good news. What a great planet. Hey, I'm glad you stuck around because uh, everybody at the table is going to talk about some stuff we found in the Bible. That's always good stuff. I have come to find out. Uh, it's always good. Uh, even if it starts out bad. A little rocky. It turns into something good every time. And I have high hopes for it to do the same thing today because the Bible is full of good things. And I think if you just get to talking about it a little bit, it has a way of uh, coming out of there and meaning something. That's what I expect is about to happen. And the preachers are going to lead this part of it, so have at it, fellas. All right, Jackson. So uh, we're continuing on in our uh, our studies about uh, through the book of Hebrews, and we're coming to a, a passage now that, just like all of the Bible does, it speaks to us today, just like it spoke to the people when it was first spoken, you know, a couple thousand years ago or longer than that. One of the topics that we have religious groups struggling with today. Uh, like they did thousands of years ago, is trying to earn their salvation. And um, when you go through the Bible, when you start reading what God has told us about how we get salvation, how we get that through Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ alone, it's, it's very black and white to us. I mean, he's very clear about how this whole salvation thing happens. But unfortunately, we know there's a lot of people that think they have to earn the salvation or they have to do things in order for them to receive this salvation. I'm just kind of curious with the table today. Uh, what are your thoughts, uh, or is it? Do you find it encouraging? And if so, why? That this salvation that we have, that we know we possess today, why do you find that encouraging to you? That it's not based upon something that you had to work for or do, and instead, it's just really all based upon the Savior Jesus. How do you find, uh, or how are you encouraged by the fact that salvation is not based upon you working? Oh, easy. 
because I'm a flop at a lot of things I do. <laughs> right? I mean, well, how many times do we fail? Uh, a lot. Uh, probably more than we succeed. That's just a guess. Yeah. It's a good guess, but yeah. So, yeah, that's my initial reaction to what you're saying. If it was, uh, well, even in the, on the spiritual side of things, if it was based on anything I'm coming up with in my head and trying to make sense of, then I get that wrong a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I but suspect you're, we all you're probably. You're kind of unique, I think, within culture, just in, well, for a lot of reasons. But within culture, don't you think that culture respects people that are self made? And, you know, no. you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps and do all that. And accepting Jesus requires you to say, I've got no ability to do anything about this. I have to lay this at your feet. Mm-hmm. And culture would go, well, aren't you rely on yourself, mm-hmm. you know? Which explains all the self-help books. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Trying and to teach a, you how to. You know, that that category didn't even exist until, I'm trying to remember when it was, like, 1978 or something like that, there was not a category called self-help books. I can kind of remember those starting <clears throat> to kind of come around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a fascinating uh, thing. But I think I just think that our culture has a lot to do with, again, you know, who are you? You're who God says you are. But we tend to listen to the, the voices that surround us mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. the way that, um, you know, you and I commented about the um, – was a Burger King that mm-hmm. said, have it your way. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like the entire culture shifted to, you deserve, you deserve a break today. You deserve this. You deserve to have it your way rather than recognizing that you're put into um, a situation where there are all sorts of other people that have different gifts. If I, can, I don't know if you need to push the buzzer for that sure, or not. Sure, we haven't you used know, it yet. <clears throat> Hang on. Thank you. Okay. But everyone's unique, and we need to interact with each other uh, to, be, to be like Jesus was, to be Christ-like. There are, you recognize different strengths in different people, so we can't do it on our own mm-hmm. from a practical standpoint. Um, but just turning it over is a difficult thing, I think, and saying, okay, you're in charge and I give it up to you. Does that? Yeah, absolutely. I think most of what we struggle with is this self-reliance. Mm. You know, if we were to really stop and ask ourselves, how are we physically born? We didn't have anything to do with that. And yet we're so into our physical being. Like we've, we're creating our own brand. We're going to be, this is who I am. But we really yep. had nothing to do with our beginning. And I think that's why Jesus uses that analogy when Nicodemus comes to him, you know, Jesus says, you must be born again. And this whole idea of salvation, you know, how do we get it? Do we, do we hold on to it or does it hold on to us? And I'll be honest with you in this week's readings, chapter six, I want to just point out a couple of things because it's, it's difficult because the writer says, therefore leaving the elementary message about the Messiah, let us go on to maturity, not laying again, the foundation of repentance, from dead works, faith in God, teaching about ritual washings, laying on of hands, and the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And we all do this if God permits. For it is impossible to renew to repentance those who have once been enlightened, who tasted the heavenly gift and became companions with the Holy Spirit, tasted God's good word and the powers of the coming age, and 
who have fallen away because of their own harm, they are re-crucifying the Son of God and holding him up to contempt. And so you read that, and to be honest with you, it almost sounds like I can gain my salvation and I can lose my salvation. I'll be honest with you, as I read through that, um, I had to go back and pull some commentaries and go, okay, let me let me look at a bigger picture here because mm-hmm. if you just read those few verses, you can get caught up in that. But you read further down in this text, and he's, he gives this illustration of a body of land. And if we were in an agricultural society, we'd understand this more. But if you go out and clear a garden spot and you plant and it rains and it produces good fruit, then you're happy with it. If you do all that work and it rains and it produces thistles and thorns, then you might just be perturbed with it and you, you know, we'd say turn it under, just turn it under and start over. But in those days what they would do is burn the field. Get rid of all that old vegetation and we'll start over. The key there is that the land is not done. The vegetation is done, but the mm-hmm. land is not uh, lost, so mm-hmm. to speak. And so I think what this passage is teaching us is that we're not going to lose our salvation, but we might disqualify ourselves for ministry. We might disqualify ourselves for receiving some of the blessings that we should have received um, because if we're truly saved, we're not going to lose that salvation because we didn't gain that salvation. It's his salvation that he came after us. But what we can lose is we can lose some of the benefits of our salvation. Um, you know, we see this all the time in our families. Uh, you know, your kids wanted something for Christmas, and you're wanting to give them that for Christmas, and all of a sudden they make C's and D's on their report card, and you might be like, yeah, not now. You know, not now. You're not going to get that now. Or uh, you don't get to go to the ball game tonight because you didn't get your homework done. Uh, so it is difficult uh, as we – struggle with this idea of salvation, but it does make it should make us more comfortable to know it's really not in our control. Not that we shouldn't work towards it, not that we shouldn't try to do mm-hmm. good things. But if it's in our control, then let's be honest, then we kind of sit in the power position of God. Mm-hmm. Can God not save me out of my own sin and hold me even if I want to let go? Um, years ago, we took a trip up to Washington, D.C., and my youngest child was at that age, just kind of rambunctious and everything, and we walk into uh, we walk into the metro. And, of course, you've got all these rails that are electric, mm-hmm. you know. And I was just scared to death he was going to fall down in it, so I had a tight grip. And I remember the whole trip, he's just pulling against me, but he wasn't going to get away from me because if he could get away from me, he could get hurt. How much stronger is God to say, Mm. you're not going to be able to get away from me, even when you try. I'm not going to let go of you, even when you let go of me. That gives me security not to just live like I want to, but it lets me know I have a father that loves me more than I love myself, more than I can love him. And it kind of kind of gives me some security there. And it's all, we've got his promise. Yeah. I mean, it's not based on us at all. Right. It's all this salvation is all based upon his promise. Yep. And he won't let us go. Man, that's awesome. That is pretty good. When I was a much younger man, I drew a comic strip for a while. I let that flop, too. That was taken off pretty good. I don't know what happened, but 
uh, it's called scribblings. <laughs> and I remember writing one, uh, one week out there where this kind of hippie scribbling guy named Jesse, he's kind of one of the main characters, but he, uh, he was bragging to his friend and said, I'm a self-made man. And his friend never looked up from his newspaper. He just said, Jesse, that's what you get for hiring cheap labor. <laughs> that's what I was thinking about when you are talking about, you know, you're uh, us thinking we can make something out of something. And But, you know, when you get involved in the whole uh, faith thing and believing in God and, and especially giving yourself over to that, you really quickly realize you're not in control of much of anything. Mm-hmm. And if you are, you should let go of it. Right. <laughs> because uh, the human story is a failure one after the other when they're trying to do things on their own. Yep. So, yeah, it's great. It's a great promise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have in, in my mind this picture of a of freedom that I didn't used to have, too. When, when I was not a Christian and thought I was a free man, I was not. Uh, when I became a Christian, inside this wall or these walls, uh, I guess, of God's uh, layout for you, I have tremendous freedoms within those. Mm-hmm. Tremendous freedom, more freedoms than I ever had before. And it's because of that safety and the security you're talking about, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, because when you when that part of you is satisfied, it's like, well, okay, so... I'm free to live. I'm going to go live. So if you see me laughing and cutting up, that's why. <laughs> the other part is settled. Now, on the outside of me, you may say, I don't know if that's settled or not, Jackson, but trust me, on the inside, it's settled. <laughs> so, outside, still got a little work to do, but we're getting there. We're working on it. Yeah. There's. I was going to say one more thing about what you were commenting about there there's a tendency people will go as far as they can they'll go as far as they can when there's no boundaries and that's why it's important to establish a boundary in in relationships and and everything like that because and you can look at pet you look at a dog you know they like to know where their boundaries are and you give them a cage that's too big and they don't like it but you give them one that's smaller and they can lean up against the side of it or they kind of stretch out and fill it up. And they seem content. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and we'll do the same thing, too. You watch uh, the difference between children that have no boundaries at all and the other ones where boundaries are established, and that's very, very important thing. Same thing in marriages. You know, you need to have, have that. Um, so what I was going to ask about was we look in the Old Testament and – you know, there needed to be uh, mediation between God and man. You can't approach God um, and and directly engage with God. There had to be a mediator. And in the Old Testament, we had uh, the Levitical, the Levites, Levit- the, the Levitical <laughs> priest system. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> I'm so articulate, aren't I? Um, but you had the priests, and that's what Jesus replaced was that that part of that system. So what is it that makes Jesus better than having um, a, a priest be a replacement you know, for Jesus? Why is Jesus the best choice in that? Is that worded? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
makes sense. I think it kind of goes back to our last point as well, because, you know, the promise is all based, you know, is God's promise. It's so much better mm-hmm. than man's mm-hmm. promise. Right. So, you know, we they were relying upon human beings to be the mediator before, and we know how human beings are. We fail miserably all the time. Even as Christians, we fail miserably. We're always messing up, or we could have the wrong answer or whatever, or intentionally do something wrong. But when it comes to Jesus, mm-hmm. and we know that Jesus never messed up, he never did wrong, he never gave a wrong answer or anything like that, how can it, it just can't get any better than that. So, I mean, he's like, you know, in Star Trek terminology, he's light years ahead of what a human priest could do. And uh, so, yeah, it's pretty sweet. I have an odd question. Mm-hmm. Surprise. <laughs> Did Jesus think? I mean, did he, I mean, think he was or did tempted. He just know? No, did he ever think, not bad thoughts, but did he ever think? I wonder if he got mad in his mind and caught himself. I don't know why I'm thinking about that. It's just like, well, I know I'm thinking about that because your, your question was what makes Jesus, uh, I guess, more palatable to us than a priest because we can approach him directly. And the priest was this guy where they had the answers, and you had to go through him and then wait. But the way it's set up now, we can go directly. Mm-hmm. So that was the difference to me. So, but I'm wondering, you know, it's a relatable thing to me. Uh, my understanding is I can relate to Jesus because he showed up on a planet just like me, and he went through stuff just like me. And, you know, I asked earlier or said earlier, I bet he told jokes just like me. And if he was human, he's human. It just dawned on me. I mean, I wonder if he had, he had, he had a. Uh, I don't know what the right word is. You don't want to say Jesus had a mean thought, but could well, we he have he, had a thought but not acted? We know he was tempted, right? And if you he read was, that, if he was tempted, he had to have thought about it because he responds with scripture. So he had to think back to that scripture to attack the the temptation. So yeah, yeah he had thoughts, but. Uh, but they were under his control. He didn't. He didn't lose control of his thoughts, which is where, like we do, like we do. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't exactly. fall into the sin. Yeah, he because didn't fall of in, the temptation. Yeah, mm-hmm. Matter of fact, yeah. being tempted is not a sin. Exactly. Um, so you know what? This is to me. This is not an irreverent way to talk about this because there are people who are afraid to talk like we're talking right now. But that's not. There's nothing wrong with that. No. I, I mean, mean, you need to. You need to think about him and. I mean, it's hard to terms. understand fully God and fully man, but. It's interesting as we've read the scripture this week and looked at uh, some of these questions. You know, one of the things that kind of struck me is what happened in the garden was Satan, an angelic being who was more powerful, attacked Adam and Eve flesh because they were weaker. And he won that battle. God knew that was going to happen. And God had already established the Levitical priests and the sacrificial system and all that stuff. But why did God do that? I mean, could God not have just said, I'm going to sprinkle everybody with fairy dust and you're going to be saved? Or I'm going to pour some RC cola over you and you're going to be saved? I'm going to. I mean, He could have done any number of things. But doesn't it just seem like God to say, Satan, I'm going to beat you at your own game? You attacked flesh and won that battle. I'm going to send my son in the flesh 
to attack a spiritual battle, and he is going to win. So it's kind of like mm, drop the mic. You know, he he says, "I play. I'm playing at your game, but I'm going to win at the game, and I'm going to redeem that which belongs to me." So mm. that to me is the is the thing that Jesus does for us. Uh, he he is the God Man, but if he doesn't become man. Then it's not a bloodshed uh, way to pay for sin. It's not the sympathetic Christ that knows our weaknesses. Um, he becomes us, like us, so that we then have that opportunity to become like him. Not that we'll ever be gods, um, but to redeem our flesh, he had to be flesh. Well, and for us to relate. Absolutely. That had to happen. Yeah. Because otherwise, we'd be sitting here talking about this thing out there somewhere yeah. that yeah. we can't relate to, yeah. really, other than, you know. And how how crazy is it to think that one day in heaven, we'll, we will be standing in the presence of God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, but we will have a connection with God the Son that no other created being has. The angels mm-hmm. were not uh, saved by Jesus becoming an angel. The animals aren't saved by Jesus becoming an animal. We're going to have this connection with him that's different than any other created thing. And it's going to be different than our relationship with the Spirit, and it's going to be different than our relationship with the Father. Um, So there's something unique about it. Um, But that kind of led me to thinking about some other things when we talk about the Old Testament. You look at all these sacrifices they had to make, and it was redonkulous. I mean, there's five different types of sacrifices in the Old Testament. There's burnt offering, grain offering, peace offering, sin offering, Thanksgiving offering, trespasses offering. There's all those things that they they had to, to do. Then there's voluntary type uh, sacrifices, and then there were sacrifices just in case we missed anything. The Day of Atonement is literally about going in to beg God to forgive Israel for things that didn't even cross their mind. You know, mm-hmm. I think about that sometimes <clears throat> in church. I, you, you've challenged us at church to just come up to the altar and lay a sin down. And that's important. And you could, you know, all of us in our life, we, we could pick one right now and go, yeah, I need to go lay that down again. But how many things have I done that I didn't even know I did or didn't do that I don't know that I didn't do. And Christ is going to forgive us of all those things um, because he's the perfect sacrifice. So really that thought is, how bad is our sin? Yeah, how how bad is really your sinfulness? You know, it's 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 so bad that God said he has to be separated from it for all of eternity. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean... You That's think about when we're raising our children, and I think you just mentioned this recently, you have to send one to their room for, for disobeying. And we have to send one of our kids off to their bedroom. Maybe they have to miss supper or something like that. And that separation, because of disobedience, mm-hmm. we have to have a separation until we can get them to acknowledge and repent <clears throat> of that wrongdoing so that we can restore this fellowship between father and son. Mm-hmm. Sin is so bad that God says it has to be put away. Mm-hmm. If if you won't let Jesus pay for that sin, I can't even have you near me. Yeah. I wonder why. Uh, 
wonder why God allowed sin to stick around. Long suffering? I think that's a good Bible word for that. Well, mm. <laughs> yeah, the question, I think, is. You can go ahead and explain. I just had to I think it's, it's relevant. Brother Coons over here, he hadn't been to church long, and Miss Becky invited us to come and sit down with some fifth graders and sixth graders, and that was one of their questions. If God is all-knowing and righteous and good and holy, and he knew Adam and Eve were going to sin, why did he ever create them? You know, And uh, there's just some things about God that we don't understand, but we do know this, that in his perfect plan, he loves us in a way that is perfect and there are things about this world that we don't understand why does this happen why does that happen but uh god's working his plan and he's still in control and uh he didn't design sin but he uses it and he uses it for his glory and our good um there's coming a day when we will uh praise him for casting sin away from us forever mm-hmm. we, we will praise him for that because you know, we've kind of been really open and honest about ourselves as Christians. We're not perfect, and we're still working on it. And you kind of think sometimes, well, if I got if I got really saved, I've heard people say this before. Oh, got I got really I got really saved this time. <laughs> you know what? You walked out and you sinned again, um, because in this world, we're still going to struggle with our flesh. And I don't know about you, but I'm pretty excited about one day. That I'm not going to have those thoughts. You don't have to worry about it anymore. I don't. I don't have, have to. to I won't even it. have to worry about those thoughts. They're not going to come into your head. You're not going to. I mean, if somebody dropped a nickel on the floor, you're going to go, "Hey, you dropped a nickel on the floor." You're not even going to think about putting it in your pocket. Um, so yeah, it's it's hard for us to understand, but God uses sin. He knew it was coming. He allowed it. So it has its purpose. I, I guess uh, maybe we don't have to understand everything. No, evidently. You know, a lot of people, I think, drive themselves kind of nuts when they get involved in the Christian faith because they want to know. They want to know the answer. Mm -hmm. I want an answer. I got to know, and it just drives people nuts. Uh, Years ago, when I was teaching adult Sunday school uh, for a good period of time, I recall one individual that was there, and it just worried them to death. The whole predestination Thing. It just worried them to death. They just mm-hmm. couldn't. They couldn't get settled in their mind and couldn't be comfortable because they didn't know. They had to know. But if you fool with this very much at all, you realize pretty quick you're not going to know a lot of it. You're just going to have to settle. You just have to be settled with it. Yeah. So, but I guess that's what trust and faith in God's all about, isn't it? Yeah. Jesus talks about having a childlike faith, and uh, I think about my grandkids now. We're at that wonderful age where the grandkids walk in, and the younger they are, the less they worry. The older they get, they begin to, did you lock the door, Papa? You know, uh, I want to make sure the boogeyman's not under the bed, Papa. You know, the two-year-old, not worried about any of that. They don't worry about what they're going to eat, where they're going to sleep, who's going to clean them up when they mess their pants. I knew that was coming. They don't worry about it. I mean, they don't. They just, they're just living life, and they they have this really – sense of just trust and you know but just have a as a caveat uh i've heard that phrase used in churches about having a childlike faith that does not mean uh this is my opinion but it's right that does not mean 
that you don't have to learn anything about it. No, it doesn't mean an Absolutely ignorant Absolutely not. No, it does not mean ignorant. I just want to point that no, out. And you can explain it. You're the preacher. So no, you but it's not, a, it's not an ignorant faith. Um, you know, I heard a guy say one time, and I really like this statement, so I'm going to use it. He says, if your faith can't be tested, your faith can't be trusted. Uh, it's okay to ask the hard questions. It's okay to want to understand. But at the end of yourself, I'll give you a great example. We don't like the struggle. We, we just don't. We don't like the struggle. We don't like to hear people having health problems or financial problems. We, just, we don't like to hear that. But God uses the struggle. For example, a uh, worm that goes into a cocoon that's trying to become a butterfly, it's the struggle for them to get out of that cocoon that causes them to be strong enough to fly. If a man decides, hey, I don't want that little worm to struggle – and he cuts open that 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 butterfly will die. It will it will not survive. It's kind of the same way in birth. Um, going through the birth canal is a difficult process. It's hard on mama. It's hard on baby. But it gets the baby's blood pressure up. It does all these things that the baby has to struggle to live. When you take a child out by cesarean section, they have a lot more problems with breathing. They have a lot more problems with their blood pressure. They have a lot because they haven't had to go through the struggle. And mm-hmm. so. The struggle by design is there for us um, to make us be who God's designed us to be. My gosh, man, that's the most intelligent thing I've ever heard you explain. What? All right. Explain. <laughs> We're done with this section? I mean, I'm <laughs> coming back for any of I was just going to say, that's really prolific. You know, I, seriously. Really I don't even know what prolific saying means. It, but. <laughs> no, I was not joking there. It's it's a big big deal. Yeah. I was like, what? Yeah. Yeah. I don't mean to act surprised. Oh well, you're welcome. It was just—it was really good. That was really thanks good. for that Mountain Dew earlier. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't huh. think about. Uh, yeah, interesting. Very interesting. See, <laughs> wow. <laughs> you just start talking about it, and wow. Oh, uh, where did we start? Yeah, we started back in Hebrews. <laughs> Talking about how we can uh, trust uh, trust Jesus for our salvation. Yeah. Really. And not yourself. Yeah. Is that kind of where and it I, all started? Yeah, it's not about yeah. us. It's about Yeah, the whole book of Hebrews did. is about Jesus being superior. He is superior than Moses. He's superior than the angels. He's superior than the Levite priests, all the prophets, and all the kings, because he fully fulfills all that that God had intended for him to fulfill. All those other things are a foreshadowing of who Christ was going to be, and so that's that's why we celebrate who Christ. Why why do we say these things? You know, like oh, if you don't know who Jesus is, you can't know who the Father is because he's the ultimate. He's the ultimate um, key to our relationship with God. Um. This word saved, uh, if you were explaining to somebody how to be that, but you didn't use that word because that word's hard to understand if you're not already that, does that make sense? Somebody who's not involved in a lot of this, who might actually be listening to us yap right now about this, I always like to throw that out there that how easy it is to become involved in this. Mm. Uh, because there are people that, you know, I think back when I, I was looking, but I wasn't, and I came across things like on the radio and things that 
kind of stopped me in my tracks and made me think. And I always, I'm always aware that what we're up to here, there may be somebody that does that, that stumbles upon that. And I like to have an opportunity to explain how you do that. But I know that those some of those churchy words like saved, I'll just buzz it because it's kind of churchy. We use it, but we all versed in it and we've been through it and we've been we've experienced it i was talking to a good friend of mine uh today or yesterday one of the two about testimonies and they mentioned to me that testimony your testimony is not about from the day you were born until today it's not a story about your life is what they're telling me and i thought that's pretty profound uh, like right now, if I were talking to that person we're talking about that, you know, may not be versed in this, but is kind of curious about it or kind of got that, you know, tug on them. If I were testifying to them, I'd be telling them about what happened to me at that moment. That would be my testimony. I thought that was pretty profound what they told me. It made me think. Mm. Anyway, how would you explain this to somebody that, either is kind of put off a little by that word saved or just doesn't know what it means, but they're curious. I mean, three preachers, surely one of you guys. Jesus said, all right, his his own words to us were, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Okay, so we've talked about sin today, and sin can have nothing to do with the Father. So for all of eternity, God's going to be in heaven. That's that's going to be his dwelling place. Heaven is where he's at. You can't get access to that if you've got this sin stuff in your life. Jesus told us, okay, first of all, I'm the way. He didn't say I am one of the ways or multiple ways. Jesus said, I am the only way. He says, and why I am, I am truth. I'm the way. I'm telling you a truthful thing here. You can't get to God except by me. I am the life. That is that everlasting life. That if we would trust in just Jesus, just trust Jesus, we can have that eternal relationship with God and have our sins taken care of. So somebody would actually have to take a step toward that. Yeah, they have to believe. Like we were talking yeah. originally uh, how we are, can't really do anything ourselves without messing it up. So this is that point you come to, I guess, in your life where you kind of begin to realize. you got this crossroads, don't you? Yeah, whatever I'm doing ain't working. I'm screwing it up all the time, over and over. So whether you understand it or not, and you're, if you're at the crossroads, perhaps it's time to just kind of veer down that one and see, what, see what's down there. Yep. Is that a good way to say that? I think so. Give it a shot. Okay. Are we happy? Happy, happy, happy. All right. If you're happy and you know We'll take a break. Come back, play in your attic. You'll never hear us say at Mike the Baptist that you need our logo t-shirts or hoodies. Just like you wouldn't hear us say that you need very white music. But now that Mike the Baptist has logo coffee mugs, we are a little tempted to point out that coffee would only have to taste better out of something that special, or a good hot cocoa, or a rich, smooth cappuccino in one of those brand new 11 
or 15-ounce coffee mugs with that warm and inviting Mike the Baptist logo with the fake neon lettering. No, we'll never tell you that you need stuff, but we might remind you that it's not a sin to buy stuff like that and that a little of the money you spend goes toward keeping Mike the Baptist on the air and in your head like a good Barry White album turned up to seven while you do your taxes or trim those hedges. Find out more about the new Logo Coffee Mugs and our t-shirts and hoodies with funny little sayings and our logo at www.mikethebaptist.com forward slash merchandise. Hey everybody, it's time to play America's almost favoritist new game show, Any or Audi where we challenge our guests to figure out if a phrase we give them is actually in the Bible or out of the Bible. Sharpen your wits, guest. You're about to be in the hot seat of Bible stuff because you're the next contestant on Any or Audi. Here's Mike. I was telling the guys earlier. Did I tell this on tape or did I not that somebody, their you kids were playing tape. in your Audi? Yeah, we're using the old tape. Oh, okay. used to, yeah, that's a green room. green room discussion. Okay, well, uh, uh, someone approached me Sunday and said, Hey, I just want you to know that uh, my kids play in your Audi. We play in your Audi. And I think they have their own version of it that they do. Uh, uh, but she said that at the podcast, uh, the kids always want to fast forward to that part of it. <laughs> So they may be missing the Bible talks and some of that, but they want to go. But I think that's a neat thing. I think it's just kind of fun uh, that they would do that. Um, so you tell them they need to eat the the message just like they would eat their vegetables before they get dessert, right? Yeah, yeah. something like that. They got to get through the message to get to the fun stuff. Yeah, all these uh, all these picturesque things everybody's saying. Uh, HD said uh, pour RC cola on everybody. I'm going like, what happened in – your house, right? <laughs> we don't want to know all those We're stories. So in the power seats today, <laughs> are, uh, we're laughing because we just did this whole section. I didn't hit record. So now we're going back and we're going to do it. But you didn't have to know that. But there you go. We Full disclosure here on Mike DeBaptist. Transparency. Transparency. We want you to know the we're truth. We're not perfect. We're not perfect. <laughs> Absolutely. In the power seats today, uh, Michael Koontz and H.D. Jones. Not because... They're that powerful. It's because they showed up with an in or outie to give us, and Neil and I were not quite ready for that. But well, we'll Neil, be there. Neil was in Ireland for ten days, and he did. You were taking a nap. <laughs> I was. <laughs> I was taking a nap while Neil was serving God in serving a foreign God land on yeah. a mission trip way, way off somewhere, and I was, I was uh, thinking about God in my recliner. <laughs> anyway, I did this much course. better the first time around, but if I remember my thought process, yes. Um, well, let me names. let me mention All real right. quick before you get there. Okay, I'm trying to recreate what we did there. Okay. The reason that HD is prepared is because uh, he spent a vacation or something. And all he did was yeah, sabbatical. That's all I did. Put bank in the yeah. bank for any or out. I was like, I got to stump these guys, you know. Yeah. So uh, we'll all go with you on your next vacation. I know, right? So you have something to do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what do you got? Names are important in the Bible. They are very important. Oh, they are. Yeah, we're very. We're very privileged to have two St. Michaels here at the table because Michael. You sure are. <laughs> the archangel. Yeah. You know, he's mentioned in the Bible. So yep. I'm sure that's who y'all are named after. Y'all are very angelic. And in all those old paintings of uh, Bible characters, you'll notice when 
when they had a painting of Michael, it had those whiskers like Michael Koontz has. Michael's pretty cool. Down. Let me just say. <laughs> Michael King Tut. He was. He's cool. Or they had on a cap like this. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. We know that uh, Hodo is not in the Bible. Hodo's not in there. And then uh, Neil pointed out that his name is in the Bible, but it's not N-E-I-L. Well, it's K- K-N-E-E-L. Yeah. 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 So, Hey, didn't anyway. something happen to you <laughs> the first time you had an – Invitation at a church? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what was that? Um, yeah. <laughs> We're recreating here. We're trying to re- – what happened, Neil? I was playing some soft background music, and the pastor was offering the invitation, and yeah. and he went through some things, and he said, if you're feeling like you'd like to come front for prayer, come down front to Neil. Yes. <laughs> And, and I didn't understand why he was having him come down to me. I'm just playing piano. Yeah. I've got all the answers. Yeah. So our other compadre who's not with us today, yes. who uh, I think is at youth summer camp. I we saw to, where he mm-hmm. took off to a camp. We need yeah. to pray for him. But he's very proud of his name. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you talk to him long enough, you'll find out he'll introduce himself, and he'll say, it's easy to remember July, August, September, October, November. Jason. Jason. Right, yeah. Neat. So then my question for Helps him remember panel spell it. Yeah. Right? Okay. is – He needs to do something for that last yeah. name because it's <laughs> all them C's yeah. and I's. And is the name Jason in the Bible? Oh. Hmm. That's good. That's a good recreation of your – Oh, <laughs> thank you. Also, I remember that. I think this is where That's I realized – didn't push record, so from here on out, it's actually spontaneous. Did we do the introduction to any or Audi, the recording? No. <laughs> it's a good thing we don't have to explain what in or out he is anymore. Well, there's no need to. We've done it so long. Right. Exactly. It's simply you throw a phrase or something out, and then you ask whether that's in the Bible or out of the Bible. In or out That's all it is. It does not require explanation every time. Right on. Stop stalling and answer the question. <laughs> Jason. I don't know about the Bible, but he was with the Argonauts. Now, see... Uh, this is not spontaneous because we did get to hear before before we hit record, and I actually thought Jason and the Argonauts was a band like from the '60s or something. It may have been, and it sounds like it could be. Mm-hmm. Jason, Paul Revere and the Raiders, Jason and the Argonauts. Sure. If anybody's listening, can Google that real quick and then get back with us so we will know the answer. Yeah, of course we won't know for a couple of weeks from now, but <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to explain. Uh, my gut says Jason is not in the Bible. What but, was the one but that stumped H just us a couple gave me of weeks that look, ago, though? So. Was it pistachio or pecan? What was it that we were asked a couple of weeks ago? Pistachio, pecan, and one other nut. Oh, we had to pick which almond, one was not almond. in the Bible, right? Yes, we did. And Because we didn't know pistachio was in the Bible. Right. Okay. And I'm thinking, Jason, come on. Neil knew it. Yeah, Neil knew it, and he was over the other side of the world. <laughs> you know what's going to happen? Jason is going to be in there, but my gut does not feel like it should be, because that sounds like a modern name, doesn't it? Just like pistachio? I guess so. <laughs> Thank you, yeah, California. Turned out not being mm. modern, too. <laughs> Jason. Interesting. Jason, this is a good one. Some of these are really good because they're very tricky. Jason sounds modern. So does Michael. <laughs> Even though we've always read about Michael as an angel. It does sound modern, but, I mean, it? it's the most popular name of the 70s, late 60s, I believe, for boys. Hmm. You didn't say if HD was in the Bible. Uh, he said Hodo. <laughs> he did say Hodo, wasn't he? Yeah. We did. We did know that. We have confirmed. I know that because I looked it up. 
from the tribe of Cray Cray. <laughs> <laughs> the 13th tribe, eh? Exactly. <laughs> Jason, what do y'all think? No. Just because he's crazy, I'm going to say it's in there. Yeah, I think that's where it's going, but... I'm watching the video. It's dragging again. It's just driving me nuts. But. I'm, I'm trying to think through the lineage and the and the Gospels. You know, yeah, there's a lot one. of names in the Bible yeah. that were thrown out there, wasn't it? <laughs> but I don't remember Jason. Or Penelope. Um, no, I don't remember Jason. Penelope. Well, you never know. That you is true. That next time, yeah. I'm wrong, but I'm going to guess not. Not. So we have two knots. Uh-huh. And, right. and you're saying yes, though. I must. I, I was going to say yes. Let's say no. Let's go. With Let's no, say no. We're all. We can't think of where it's at. We're all Audi. I think we're all Audi. Yeah, Audi. Just because we need to get to an answer to move on. <laughs> I'm so confused. Yeah, me too. Let me look at my answer. All right. So Acts chapter 17. But the Jews were jealous, and taking some wicked men of the rabble. They formed a mob, set the city in uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, <laughs> seeking to bring them out from the crowd. How about that? Hmm. Well, we were Jason's wrong. In there. Jason's in the Bible. Kuntz was right, but trying, you... I was trying to go down the right path, but y'all, <laughs> y'all we, uh, persuade me. We pulled, pulled you in. You pulled me to the dark side. So Jason is in there. That's interesting. I... I did not think that. Let me mark that off my list now before I forget. Go. Yep. Take that off, back the, up next week. off the list. Okay, we are uh, 0 for 1. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is still dragging. And it's, it's driving me. It's, it's actually driving me a little bit insane. It'll be good, though, when we sing. <laughs> yeah. Okay, uh, Michael Kuntz, you're right. now in a position of power, which I know you've always wanted. Yeah, I've been seeking it my whole life. Now you've got it. Thanks. Uh, so... In uh, many, it's been a few months ago now. We had a very controversial, and it's still controversial to this day, any or Audi, and it was the color brown. Oh, yes, yes, yes it went yes. on for weeks. Yeah, well, to this day, but it anyway, still, still pops up. So, my any or Audi for you today is orange. Oh, really? Uh. Have we talked about this before? I don't think so. Okay. Just checking. We talked about brown. We did talk about brown. I recall that. And it seems like when we talked about brown, we went through colors trying to think about we probably would have. what were mentioned. Where did oranges come from? Is that a Middle Eastern fruit? Florida. <laughs> um, that's right. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> Gosh. Those are from California. <laughs> yeah, no. just, there's no other place in the world that things grow but America. No. I don't recall. Oh, wait a minute, though. When I was growing up, at the Christmas programs at church, you always got an orange in the brown paper bag at the end of the Christmas, which is why we do that at Acoustic Christmas, because it's... Did you get an apple also? And a Leo, well, sometimes you Leo got an peppermint. apple. We got an apple and an orange and <laughs> yes. candy. Sometimes you got one or the other. We always got both. <clears throat> Which, let me just say, when I started doing Acoustic Christmas, I found out how expensive oranges are if you're buying three or four or five hundred oranges. There's a line item in our church budget. Yep, for oranges? For the treat bags. Oh, yeah, for Acoustic Christmas? Well, oh. just for Christmas. Oh. For the bags. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about Acoustic Christmas is firing back up this year, so we got to get back in that budget. <laughs> anyway, 
Uh, so the reason I was thinking about that, did oranges come from the Middle East? Or were they there then? I don't recall ever seeing that in the Bible. Do y'all? Mm-mm. Wait, I can't talk to you. You asked the question. Uh, I think it's in there. You do? Yep. And part of me thinks it's in there because he's a UT fan. And he would want uh, it to be in there. But so I really think proud. I really do think uh, the color uh, orange I really do think the color orange is in there. Do you have an example? I don't even have a gut reaction to this one yet. <laughs> Or do I, well, do it's I, not the fruit. No, it's not the fruit, orange. But I think the color. There's there's a lot of colors in Revelation. There's a lot of colors. In a temple. Yeah. In a yeah, that's right. The temple. That's right. Because you had the blues and the purples and. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I don't I even, think. Uh, I don't even have a gut reaction right now. The different wait, stones. Wait, wait, wait. No gut reaction from the Jackson? Right. I do kind of, but I'm afraid to say it. (laughs) My gut reaction is no, but I sense that I'm going to be terribly wrong (laughs) again. Is that your other gut talking then? That's my other gut talking. Are you a cow? Hmm? How many stomachs do you have? Well, yeah. (laughs) Premonitions. He just called Jackson a cow. No, no, no. no, no. no. I just said how many stomachs do you have? (laughs) Um, He's ruminating on it. Yes. I don't. My gut says no, but I'm going to say yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just keep it lively. <laughs> I think it's in there. I, I really do. I don't. I can't quote you a chapter and verse, but I do think it's in there. Okay, so that's an uneducated guess. It is. Mm-hmm. Neil, I would say yes because of the options we were just talking about. The, the colors and temples and mm-hmm. and stones. Doesn't and, it seem funny though that? Those cats back in the Bible days would even say that word, orange. <laughs> I mean, there are so many great words. Well, if they said with. chartreuse, that would bother me. But it was probably more well, something yeah, like... But... <laughs> 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 it just translated into orange. <laughs> I know one Hebrew word. You want to hear it? Lachayim. <laughs> I don't know what it means, but to it's Lachayim. To yeah. life. To life? Yeah. Oh, you know another one? That's from Fiddler on the Roof. <laughs> no. That's actually that sound my granddad used to make in a car. It just drove right. me nuts. Yeah. Yada. Uh. Yada. <laughs> yeah, I think the rails are way over there somewhere. Orange. I'm saying yes. He said yes. Yeah. We have three yeses. Yeah. Orange is in the Bible, Coots. All right. So... <laughs> According to the modern language <laughs> translation, <laughs> I bet we could find a translation version that has it in there. But it's the no, UT. It's not. It's not. It is mm. not in there. And you're wow. going on the right path because you know something like that. Those colors, like they would use the refer to maybe like rust or something like that. Right. And that was referring to the color orange, but orange did not become did not become a color word huh? until the 1500s. Hmm. Really. Do you have the uh, what actually happened? I mean, who thought it up? No, I'm not that smart. Because I'm jealous of people that get to think oh. up words and get them in a dictionary. And when was the Bible written? Yeah. Hmm. Not 1500? No. For the sake of people that just tuned in. Right. <laughs> right. This is true. Another fine explanation on Mike the Baptist. That's interesting. So my gut was okay. Yeah. Hmm. All right. We led you astray, Mark. I'm glad I went ahead and Sorry. brought it up then. So look at that. All right. So we, we have are, we are uh, two losers today. Two uh, complete failures. 
on any reality. Let us know how your home edition of any reality goes because you might send want to some share questions. some of yours with us. Too. Yes, you might need to send, send us yours, some easier questions. Send yours in. You know, these are getting more difficult, which I am elated about because uh, they're striking up some really good conversations about some of these things now. You know, we started, of course, all of us here just took the first 10 on Google when we first started doing this, you know, and then those ran out pretty quick. And then we had to start thinking a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, anyway, uh, take a break. We'll be back to sing you a hymn and wrap this up best we can. Oh, wow. What a great contestant and a fine sport today on Any or Audi, America's almost favorite new game show. Study up, future guest people. You're next in the hot seat for any or Audi. You know, sometimes when you're in a church service and the whole service kind of has a theme, and then the people responsible for putting music together, that'd be you, Neil. Neil. With a K. Uh, sometimes, sometimes they pre-plan the hymns to go along with what's going on but sometimes it's just divine intervention mm-hmm. and it what just happens Dang. oh <laughs> come on we're gonna get now you can hit it. Going yeah forward. yeah that's for divine intervention thanks for it catching is. that Hell yeah i missed some of those yep. well today it's kind of a combination because uh it wasn't pre-planned but during a break neil had a divine intervention it was shortly after I had a gut reaction, Neil had a divine intervention. <laughs> it's a long story, but and Neil said, "You know the hymn we should really do." And kudos for remembering the page forty-five in the Mike the Baptist hymnal, Green Acres. It's the perfect hymn because I think we talked about this earlier. It had something to do with uh, HD's mom, a rodeo belt buckle. And a hairpiece. If you want to know that whole story, back up to the front porch visit and give her a listen. I dare you. And then I dare you to be able to take a nap in peace without that all up there in your head. Visual image. (laughs) Rolling around. We'll sing this hymn for you, then we'll get out of here for uh, this episode of The Three Preachers. My thanks to H.T. Jones, Michael Coots. Neil Andrews for being here and making this all possible. (laughs) What silliness. Green Acres is the place to be. Farm living is the life for me. Land spreading out so far and wide. Keep Manhattan, just give me that countryside. New York is where I'd rather stay. I get allergic smelling hay. I just adore a penthouse view. Darling, I love you, but give me Park Avenue. The chores. The stores. Fresh air. Times Square. You are my wife. Goodbye, city life. Green Acres, we are there. Some of you may have to Google that to understand what that was all about. (laughs) Some of us don't. We were there. (laughs) Hey, and you were here. Thanks for being here. Hope you got something out of this. Uh, Yeah, I hope you got something out of this. (laughs) We did. Kind of the middle part of this, you usually get stuff out of it. But anyway, 
Glad you joined us. We'll see you next time on Mike the Baptist. And remember, folks, we are all just Christians. That's true. Try yeah. not to cut. Yes, no. thank you yeah, so yeah, much. Yeah, that. Now we can go. <laughs> <laughs> got several snorts in today, too. I always like them snorting. Good snorting. <laughs>